Okay. All right. No, we, we have a good time. Lord, we just thank you, Heavenly Father, for the day. Lord, for all that you brought to us, Heavenly Father. And Lord, for every minute and every breath and every step that we take, Lord, we realize that they are yours. And we praise your holy name for it. And Lord, tonight as we prepare to praise you with our offering, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would bless it and honor your church, honor your people, and honor your word, Heavenly Father. In Christ's precious name, amen. Go ahead and start worship. If y'all want to get on your feet, you want to put that up? You can. If you're more comfortable sitting, just whatever makes you feel comfortable. We're going to worship the name of the Lord regardless tonight. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house, God. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you in advance, Father, for the move that we're going to feel in this house tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm coming with a heart of worship. I'm bringing in a brand new song. I'm ready to see the unthinkable. I'm ready for a miracle. Hearts praying for a fresh encounter. Souls looking to the living God. I'm ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. We're on the edge of a new beginning. God, we know you have so much more. We're looking to a new horizon. We're praying for your rain to pour. An overflowing of true redemption. An overflowing of your kingdom. I'm ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, can you feel it? Heaven is reaching. Oh, can you hear it? Our God is speaking. Oh, can you see it? He's got your healing. Oh, just receive it. Receive the freedom. Oh, can you feel it? Heaven is reaching. Oh, can you hear it? Our God is speaking. Oh, can you see it? He's got your healing. Oh, just receive it. Receive your freedom. Come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, come. 
Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place, fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Yes, you are, God. Oh, you are welcome here. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Nothing worth more than could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Oh, can you feel it tonight? I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence lord yes god and holy spirit you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Sing, there's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone by your presence Lord Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit you are welcome come flood this place 
face and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence. Lord and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord, overcome us with your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord, overcome us with your presence, God. Overcome us, God. Oh, we open our hearts to you, Lord. Oh, we're ready, Lord. We're ready, Lord. Overcome us, God. Overcome us, God. Overcome us, God. Jesus, Father, we just worship you tonight. Father, we just praise your holy name tonight, God. Hallelujah. As they play through this just a couple more times, let's just open our hearts to be receptive of his presence tonight, God. Father, we thank you that you were here when we walked in this room, God. But, Father, we want a touch, a one-on-one -on -one touch of your 
of your presence, God. Father, help us to remember back a time, God, when you did overwhelm us, God. Father, take us back there tonight. Father, change not the atmosphere, not only the atmosphere in this building, God, but the atmosphere of our heart, God. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. We're going to sing that again, the atmosphere. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. Yes, yes. The evidence is all around. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds.
God's presence tonight. I uh, kept getting a picture, and I don't know who this is for tonight. I saw a picture. It's it's a lady, and I seen there's darkness, dark chains, and you feel like you're down to the ground, like a weight is on you, and you feel like you can't get loose. And it reminded me of the the man at the pool of Siloam, where Jesus said. Do you want to be healed? And he said, well, nobody will take me down to the water. And yet the answer was right in front of him. The Lord showed me a picture of him just standing there with the key. And, uh, and he's just waiting for you to call out to him. He's the one that can break the chains, the struggles, whatever it is in your life. When God gives me pictures, I'm just obedient to share them. The rest is between you and the Lord. So, Father, whoever that is, help them to surrender. Help them to turn their eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. Lord, as they look to you, you're the one that's anointed. You're the one that's got the power to break the chains. Lord, they're already free because they know you. It's just the things of this world can weigh us down. So, Father, help them to turn it over to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just wait in his presence for a minute. Let's wait and see what he wants to do tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this wonderful night. Lord, we, we come here tonight, and this is not about us. We want to be about you, Jesus. We come before your presence. Have your way in our lives, in our hearts, your decisions and your plans for us, your direction. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, more of your power. More love, more power, Lord. More of your power. More of your love. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I, keep, I keep getting the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, when Israel was in captivity, or they were actually being besieged by the Babylonians, it seemed like all hope was gone. And yet, God says, I have plans. Listen, God's plans for you are bigger and greater than the plans that you have for your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord would say, I love you with a deeper love than you've ever known. I love you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Just wait in his presence. I want to read this scripture to you and then we're gonna we're gonna get involved. But I want you to listen to this as we say in his presence. I, I mentioned this last week or this week, I don't remember, but just stay in his presence for a second as I read this to you. And this is for your life. When Jesus started his ministry. And he stood in the synagogue and he read from the scripture. This is what he read. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Father, as we're reminded of this scripture, You came to set us free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You were anointed with the Holy Spirit and you have anointed us with the Holy Spirit. You've given us beauty instead of ashes. You've given us a, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And Lord, we're on display for you. 
And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. You know, sometimes God moves in mighty ways like he did last Sunday, and he moves in mighty ways like he does tonight. Sometimes it's a peaceful move of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think sometimes we, uh, we expect God to move in certain ways all the time, and he doesn't always move that way. No. Uh, I've been in services where it was dead silent and quiet, and God said, be still and know I'm what? Know that I'm God. I've been in other services like last Sunday and services as a kid where people were being healed and delivered. God does it the way he wants to do it. So God is good. All the time, God is good. All right, go with me to James chapter 1. We're in the book of James and... Um, we're going to read verses 13 through 18 tonight. So James chapter 1. Everybody got their swords? You know what a sword is, right? Yeah, your Bible. So, some of us have it on your phones now. I do that at night because it has a light on it, and I don't have to worry about turning the light on. So, And even then it's still bright, so I get in trouble for having it too bright. My wife will turn it down. She says, that's not good for your eyes. Well, I can't see it. <laughs> Same with the TV. i got to turn the TV up, all right? I can't hear it. <laughs> All right, James chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Last week we looked at a bond servant, or the week before the bond servant. We talked about trials. We talked about faith and wisdom in God. And not to take pride in our, in, in our riches, but, but to be humble. And this week we're going to look at temptation. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be the kind of firstfruits of all he created. Let's go to learn prayer. Father, as we study the book of James and we study the different issues and struggles that they had in that church, I pray, Father, that we will learn from the word. Help us to put it into practice. God, we don't want to just be hearers, but we want to be doers of it. Yes. Lord, it, I believe, that, as it says, that the fruits of the Spirit are love, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, uh, self-control, all those fruits of the Spirit are in us because we have the, the Holy Spirit. Yes. Help us to cultivate those things and walk in them. Yes. Father, as we learn this tonight, give us new insights. Give us understanding, something we never learned before. And Holy Spirit, I get out of the way so you can speak in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So we're going through a series on the book of James. One of the reasons why I like to do series on books of the Bible is you learn uh, verse by verse, line by line, and precept by precept. Uh, to get the full understanding of the scripture. Sometimes we can pull a scripture out and it can be taken out of context. So, so that's why I like doing Bible studies like this. A lot of people are biblically illiterate today. They don't know the Bible. And, I, and many of you guys probably know the Bible, right? Amen? Amen? Okay. But it's important to know God's word in the context of what he's talking about. Uh, the last few weeks we've talked about how the church had been scattered and James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. 
And now he's dealing with church issues. How many of us know that churches have issues? Yeah. Do you know why they have issues? Because they're made up of people. And how many of us all have issues? Yeah, we all have issues, right? I talked about this morning. We got areas that God needs to rub off. They're called the rough edges. Uh, that's why God gave us our spouse, right, and our kids. I didn't get any laughs out of that one. So <laughs> but I was trying to be funny on that one, but that didn't work. So, so we look at this, and we're looking at trials. James deals with many different issues. And one of the big issues in the church in Jerusalem is they had a lot of problems with wrong motives. They were selfish. And he's dealing with some of those issues. They had a lot of issues with sin. And so he's dealing with those sin issues. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. The first thing that we got to realize is God cannot be what? Tempted. And he says that. We know this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Right. So why can't God be tempted? Again, no one person or thing can tempt God. Why can't God be tempted? God cannot be tempted because he is holy. God is holy. Look at this scripture here. Habakkuk 1.13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when, while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Of course, Habakkuk's making a complaint here. But he admits that God, you're, 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 you're pure. You're perfect. That's what holiness means. There's, there's no wrong thing in God. And he's that way. He always has been. He is, was, and always will be holy. There's something about the holiness of God. I mean, I, I just, we don't even understand it yet. We, our best minds, our minds can just understand it the best way we can. But when we get to heaven, we're going to understand how holy he is. Right. I heard a preacher one time talk about uh, how he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, uh, isn't it boring to, to, when I read the scriptures where it says the angels surround your throne and constantly say holy? Don't they get bored with that? And he goes, no, because I reveal a little bit more about myself every time they surround my throne. And I think that's with, with us. We're going to learn more and more about God. But God is holy. He's pure. He's perfect. I'm thankful that I got a God that doesn't mess up. He doesn't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. You and I are not mistakes. He is holy. One of the words to describe holy is pure. The Greek word holy in Revelation 4.8 is hagios which means pure, morally blameless, or religious, ceremonially, consecrated, most holy, one thing, a saint. God is the saint. <laughs> you know, we always talk about the, how people call people saints. There's only one saint, and that's God, right? Yeah. And the scripture talks about, now here's the wonderful thing. When you get saved, you and I are saints. Yes. <laughs> that's a beautiful picture. We're co-heirs with Christ. God cannot be tempted because God cannot change. Look at verses 17 and 18 here. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Remember that. Everything that's good comes from God. When he created you and I, he said it was what? Good. So when you're having bad thoughts about yourself, you're making fun of God. Because he said that it was good. So every good and perfect gift is from above, 
coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not what? Change. Everybody say that. Change. change. He does not change like shifting shadows. Again, God doesn't change. Who he is is who he is. He's always been that way. He's been holy, righteous, good. He doesn't change. Hallelujah. We change. Yes. We don't like change, but we do change. Yeah. Right? Change is tough for us, but God, he does not change. Every good and perfect gift, again, is from God. He is perfect and will always be perfect, and God is truth. Look in verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of what? Truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits over all creation. Look what John 14 6 says, Jesus said this, and we know Jesus is part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The word God there is, uh, is Elohim, and it's in the plural form. Right. And so Jesus says this about himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus says Satan's the father of lies, but God is truth. So if God tells you he's going to do something, he's going to what? Do, do, do it. He's going to do something. If God says that he's going to bring a miracle in your life, he's going to bring the miracle. If God says that he can deliver you, he can deliver you. If God says he can provide, he will provide for you. God cannot be tempted because he is righteous and just. Look at Psalm 1, uh, Psalm 11, 7. For the Lord is righteous and he loves justice. The upright will see his face. So the Lord is righteous, right? Is consecrated or separated, set apart, perfect. Again, all these things describe who God is. And we can hear it over and over again, but I don't think, again, we're going to understand it until we're in the presence of Almighty God. And one of these days we're going to be up there and go, whoa, now I get it, right? right? Our minds can't comprehend it right now, but that's who God is. God cannot be tempted because he created all things. I've shared this before, but you know the devil is still God's devil? The devil chose to sin, but he was still created by God. Look at 90, Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God created all things before the mountains were born. Before the world was born, God was and always will be. We know this stuff, but it's good to be reminded of it. Look at this one. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been, uh, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And I'm sorry about the font. Sometimes when you do these screens, it'll do a big font and a little font. So if you need a magnifying glass to see those small fonts. But that, that is uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. 
If you ever get a chance, look up Louis Giglio. I'm giving him this is Seals deal. How many of you guys ever heard of Louis Giglio? He does a thing on laminin. How many of you guys have ever heard a thing about laminin? Oh, yeah, good. And nobody knows about it. Good. You can go look it up. He does a better job about it. My daughter's like, I know. So laminin, he found out. He was doing this whole thing about God and how God created all things. And it just so happens there was a, a microbiology bio, guy that, I don't know, I don't even know how to say macro, micro, whatever. He deals with biology. And he, he, and he met with uh, Louis Giglio and said, hey, you need to look up the word laminin. So Louis Giglio did. He, worked, he looked up the word laminin. Laminin is a molecule that holds us together. It holds all things together. And this molecule, if you look under a microscope, is in the shape of a cross. Wow. Go look it up. It's laminin. L-A-M-I-N, I think. Lam Did I get it right? Laminin. Go look it up. Laminin. It literally holds. So when it says that all things have been created through him and for him, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is literally holding us together. That's pretty cool. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Yeah. The very breath that you're taking tonight is from God. Yes. Even the people that don't serve God, he is gracious to them to give them breath. Right. They say there are no atheists in a foxhole. Because right. <laughs> God gives us breath. They've done studies where people have been on their deathbed or feel like they're dying. And what's the first thing that they do? They call out to who? To God. Look at Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? He says right here, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? I mean, usually we're going to him for counsel. God, I need your help, right? God doesn't go around rubbing his hands together trying to figure out what's going to happen. Do you know he's not worried about what's going on? There's a scripture, and I'm not going to read it tonight, but even what's going on in the world today... With all this stuff, it says that God sits up there when the kings are devising their little plans, he just sits up there and laughs. And the laugh in the original Hebrew there literally means, have you ever given like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's basically what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's in charge. So that's why God cannot be tempted because he is perfect. He is holy. He does not sin. He can't be in the presence of sin. Number two. Oh, went back too fast. God will not tempt anyone. God does not tempt. Because God can't be tempted, he will not tempt anyone. They, they, they coincide together. Everybody knows this, right? We know that, right? But when a lot of times what we do is we want to blame God for what's going on in our life or what we've done. Right. But it's not God's fault. That's right. In the garden, what did they do? They blamed God, right? Adam goes, God, the woman you made, 
the woman you gave me. But where was Adam when Eve was being tempted? He was right there beside her. He could have stopped it. But he didn't do it. That's why Satan's constantly after the man, because the man is called to be the spiritual leader of his home. Right. He blamed her, and what did she do? She blamed the serpent, right? right. The blame game started in the garden. Yep. And we still do that. My, my kids are here, but <laughs> I did it. I'm not going to pick on my kids. I've done it when I was a kid. Yeah. It's her fault. Yeah. She did it, right? So God cannot tempt anyone, but he will allow you to be tempted. Did you get that? He will allow you to be tempted. And the reason why he allows you to be tempted is to test you. Yes. He won't tempt you, but he will allow you. Yes. So who is the tempter? Satan, Satan is the tempter. 1 Thessalonians, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Paul is speaking of Satan. I, 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 he was saying, I, I ministered to you, and when, when I heard about this, I, I was worried that your faith was going to fail, basically. I was afraid in some way the tempter, Satan, was going to tempt you. And that all the work that we did and witnessing to you and doing ministry was in vain. So Satan's the tempter. How does Satan tempt us? Look at this in verse, this is 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. In fact, I have it up here, but if you want to, would you please turn in your Bibles here? Because I want you to underline this. I want you to get this in your Bibles. I like having the scripture up there, but sometimes we need to flip the pages, right? First yeah. John chapter 2, verse 15. Now understand, this is going back to James because he's talking about temptation. So first John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 15. First John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What he's speaking of is if, if we're saying that we're a believer in Christ and we love Jesus, but we love the things of the world and we're no different than the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. Right. Then we need to check our relationship. Paul even says, Examine yourself to see if you're in the truth. That's it. Right? So that's what he's basically saying there. Uh, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in, in the kingdom. It's either you're in the kingdom or you're not. That's right. Then he goes on to say, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. These three areas Satan tempts us in. He tempts us with the lust of the flesh. Right? You're on a diet. You see a donut. You know you're not supposed to eat it. Doctor says you're diabetic. You need to watch your insulin. Don't eat that donut. But I like donuts. Especially the Bavarian cream filled donuts. I'm not diabetic, by the way, but I'm just speaking for those that might. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, 
my issue is soda pop. I like diet pop, and I've been told by the V. She's been trying to get on to me about that. The, I, I had the VA doctor, and when we were in Washington, yeah, there goes my daughter. But we were, we were on the, we were on the. I had that's the bad thing about Bluetooth. I had an accountability partner there to listen to the doctor, and he says you shouldn't drink that stuff. They say it causes cancer and rats. <laughs> so that's the lust of the flesh, right? Your flesh says I want it, right? You eat a piece of chocolate or something that you really like. I could probably, you guys could probably name off a bunch of stuff that you like, right? The, the, the one thing that gets you, you know, the little thing that you really like. Yeah, by the way, thank you for the licorice, whoever brought that. Oh, man, that was awesome. That's the lust of the flesh. Then there's the lust of the eyes. Man, that looks good. Man, I want that, Right? You don't have enough money, but you see that brand new car. Yeah. I, I know I can't afford it, but man, that looks good. And then they play together, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And then it says the pride of life. I am in charge. I get to decide. I'm going to be like God. In fact, let's go over to Genesis chapter 3. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. We're going to look at... Some examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if we don't get through this tonight, that's okay. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Genesis chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Let me stop there. Satan knows more about Scripture than you and I do. He knows scripture better than us. And he will quote it at you. Yeah. You got to know the word of God. Yeah. Look at verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit, fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat, from the, uh, eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Did God ever say not to touch the fruit? No. He never did. He just said, don't what? Eat, eat it. But can I say something on that? <laughs> if you know you have a problem with something, stay away from it. Don't touch it. Right. Don't go near it. Right? Because right? there's something about our five senses that gets us into trouble. Yep. Look at verse 4. Here's Satan again. Remember, he attacks your mind. He attacks your thoughts. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Remember, he's getting her to question God's word. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like who? Like God, knowing good and evil. Now, here's the important thing. Look at this. Verse 6, when the woman saw, everybody say the word saw. saw. That's the lust of the eyes. She saw the fruit, right? She saw it. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the lie. So that's the first part, lust of the eyes. I kind of skipped that one. We'll go back to that one. But she saw lust of the eyes. Then look at, look at verse 6 here. Again, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for what? Gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. This is how sin works, lust of the eye. 
Lust of the flesh, pride of life, right? You look at it, you desire it, you partake of it, and then you affect other people's lives. Your sin sin doesn't just affect you, it affects other people. My sin affects other people. It just doesn't affect you. Think of how many moms' heart aches because of their kids' sin. Think of how much sin has affected our society today. It affects other people. Did Adam and Eve's sin affect us? It did. So Satan always uses the same temptations, and we always fall for it. It, it, He knows how to hook us. It's like the whole hook, line, and cigarette. You probably don't know this, but I watched SpongeBob SquarePants. I really, I like SpongeBob. Anybody know what that is? Some of you guys are. So there's there's one that I really liked. It is a great sermon illustration. Either you like them or you don't, and I've always liked them. I think it's a good cartoon. But there's one where SpongeBob is riding these hooks, these, these fishing hooks, and he's falling down and going, Wee, this is so fun, and he's riding them, and, and Mr. Krabs says, uh, SpongeBob, you shouldn't do that. You're going to get hooked one of these days, and he keeps riding it and keeps riding it. Well, guess what? One day he gets hooked. That's what sin does. You look at it. You keep looking at it. You think about it. Desire, right? You keep desiring. You keep looking. And before you know it, you partake of it and you're hooked. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things I want to go back here was she wanted to be like God and gain wisdom. That's the pride of life. Yeah. A lot of times we want to be in charge. That's pride. Yeah. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Our kids do that, right? Don't tell me what to do. America, we have that problem, right? In America, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm free. You don't tell me what to do. And then guess what happens? Pride. I'm going to go to another one. Again, what resulted from Eve's actions? She partook and affected herself and her husband and the rest of us. Adam too. Adam doesn't get off on this. We don't want to pick on the woman. Go with me to 2 Samuel, (laughs) my daughter. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes. Look at me in verses 1 through 5. How many of you guys know the story of Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba? Okay. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Let me stop there for a minute. David was idle. Where was David supposed to be at this time? And We can do this as an open. He was supposed to be at war. But he wasn't. He was idle. He wasn't doing what God told him to do. He was disobeying God. Right. We got to be careful when we get bored. Sure. Boredom can get you. Yep. It's boredom that has caused a lot of problems. Verse 2, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. What did he do? He saw. Right? He looked. I bet you David knew that she was down there. And guess what? 
in law, she should not have been out bathing. Right. She was supposed to be somewhere else where nobody could see her. So they were both wrong. Right. Scholars even say that she, she wasn't supposed to be out like that. So he saw, right? Verse 3, and David sent someone to find out about her. There's the desire. He sees, and now what? He's desiring. He wants her. Again, I'm going to bring back the car, right? I had a, we had a good friend uh, up in Abernathy, and he talks about this car. Remember Bill? Bill talked about this car that he really, really wanted. He saw it. Man, it was all decked out. It was a great car. It was like, man, that's the car I've always wanted. One, he didn't have enough money. And two, God told him to wait. He prayed about it. And God said, wait. Well, he didn't wait. He bought the car. It says it caused him financial troubles. And that car was in the garage all the time. He took a loss when he got rid of it. And he was so glad to get rid of it. It can get us into trouble. So the woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. Verse 3, the man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? It was almost like God was saying, don't do this. This is a bad thing. Right? Right? God's like sending, it's kind of like that old story, you know, the guy wants to be saved, and he's on the rooftop. You've all heard that, right? And God sends a, sends a boat, and the guy goes, no, God's going to save me, and then sends something else, and God's going to save me. Finally, a helicopter, and the guy drowns. and gets to heaven and says, God, why didn't you save me? He goes, well, I sent you these three things. That's right. God will give you a way out. Yes. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he will provide a way out so that yes. you can stand up under it. Yes, always. And that goes for all of us. I like what Charles Swindoll said. He was, he was preaching on us, one of my favorite preachers. I used to listen to him all the time in the service. I'd turn the radio up on my semi-truck, you know, off for the other guys to hear. And I'll never forget this. He said, nobody is susceptible to falling. All of us are susceptible to falling. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're at, what position you are, or what status you are. We're all susceptible to falling. Then look at verse 4. Then David sent messages to get her. She came to him and he did what? He acted upon his desire and slept with her. She had purified herself from uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. And we all know the story, right? He ends up sending Uriah. Uh, and and Uriah basically read his death sentence. Yeah. And he murdered him. Again, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Jesus was tempted in all three ways. Did you know that? Yeah. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. I like Luke's account too because in the book of Luke, <clears throat> in the book of Luke it says that he was, before he was tempted by the devil, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus was water baptized, yep. and the Spirit descended upon him like what? Like a dove. And then it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Guys, get full of the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us strength to overcome the works of the flesh. In fact, in Galatians 5, 16, it says, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
As you fill yourself with the Word of God, as you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get in God's presence, He gives you the strength to say no to the flesh. In fact, He talks about how the flesh and the Spirit war against each other. This flesh hates this. This is still fallen nature, right? Right. We all know that because I got a bum knee. (laughs) Uh, You grab it and you can hear it going crunch, you know. I, I did that to my wife one day. I said, hey, sweetheart. And she goes, don't. Why do you always do that? And I had her put her hand there, and I, you could feel crunch. And she said, oh, it drives her nuts. But it, I'm just that type of person. I'm like, can you feel this? And I don't want to touch that. And I, I feel... <laughs> Jesus was tempted in all these ways, but he was filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be, who, to be what? Tempted. Tempted by the devil. Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I'm going to tell you right now, I used to wrestle in high school. I was a varsity wrestler, and I'd cut weight, and just three days of no eating will make you crazy. You'll start dreaming about food. Of course, we would spit into a can, you know, and you get rid of all the fluids. My wife's like, why do you say that? Sometimes I'm TMI. But we would, I would spit, you know, get rid of all the fluids. Sorry, babe. But you would dream about water. So you can imagine how Jesus felt after 40 nights and 40 days. Yeah. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones... To become bread. I want to stop there. What happened just before this? He was baptized in the Jordan River, wasn't he? What did God say to him? This is my beloved son in whom I love and I am well, what? Pleased. And what does Satan do? The minute you and I get saved, what's the first thing he tries to do? Did you really get saved? Then we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is that really of God? I remember the guy I was telling you about that got baptized in the Holy Spirit up at a church and we had that prayer time and his name... And uh, prayed with him. The first thing he says, well, man, he goes, did that really happen? Was that really God? I said, boom, there it is. That's what Satan does. He tries to get you to question it. Right? That's how he works. So he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus could have done that, couldn't he? He could speak to this bench and go, oh, I want bread. Boom. When he provided the bread and uh, the, the fishes and bread, he provided it, didn't he? He could call anything out. Did you know the 4,000 was for the Gentiles and it represented certain cities in that area and the 5,000 was for the Jews? God was ministering and saying, I'm ministering to both Jew and Gentile. But what, how did Jesus respond to this? How did he respond? With Scripture. Jesus answered, it is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is quoting scripture from Deuteronomy. Billy Graham, remember I shared with you, Billy Graham, the stump prayer. When God was, when when the enemy was coming at him and all these doubts. This is Billy Graham. God kept saying, thus saith the Lord, kept coming through his mind. And when he prayed that night, he put his Bible down on a stump in California and said, from this day forward, I got questions I have no answers for, but from this day forward, God, your word says what it says, and I'm going to believe it. And that's why you always heard Billy Graham say, the Bible says. That's what Jesus did. Enemy throws thoughts towards you. 
He tempts you in a certain way. What do you do? You say, it is written. It is written. So Jesus was tempted with the lust of the flesh when Satan asked him to turn the stones in the bread. That was the lust of flesh. He was hungry. Jesus was tempted with the pride of life when Satan tempted him to throw himself down from the temple. Look at verse 5. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Do you know what scripture that is? Anybody? Psalm 91. That's Psalm 91. Do you guys know Psalm 91? I pray that when we went on our trip. God, you're going to place your angels around us so that we will not strike our foot against the stone. Hey, it's all right to pray that. I remember when I went to Bolivia on a paradigm trip with the with other pastors to, to see what missionaries do. And you, man, if you ever get a chance to go visit some missionaries, you should see the work that they do and what they're involved in. But I don't know why. I've never had a problem with being in a plane, but we'd flown 12 times and in a week, and I was tired and wore out, and I was a little nervous. And my friend Tracy goes, now, Marcus, you know Psalm 91. And he quoted it to me, and I said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's it. <clears throat> Satan knows the word. He quoted Psalm 91 to Jesus. Did Jesus argue with him? Did he go, well, you know? No, Jesus answers and said, it is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to test, to the test. Jesus was tempted with the lust of the eyes when Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the world. Do you know the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air? He still has control over these kingdoms until Jesus comes and reigns. He still, he still has control. <laughs> and then you, now you don't have to question why things happen the way they do. Right? The way, the way they act? Because who are they controlled by? Now God can change things. Remember that. We can pray and God can change things. So when he said, I can offer you all this stuff, Adam and Eve gave that up. When they ate the fruit, they gave him authority. So when he says he offers them all the kingdoms of the world, I'm sure he showed them all the kingdoms of the world. I'm sure he showed them all these pictures. And he could have rightly said, yeah, I'll give you all of this. Look at verse 9. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Many of people have fallen for that. But Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, verse 10, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 11, the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Now Luke says that Satan left him for an opportune time. That means when you you rebuke the devil, sometimes you have to rebuke him over and over again. Anybody ever done that? You do it once and it doesn't happen. You do it twice and man, you're getting tired. And think, why isn't this happening? Sometimes you have to fight. We had an instance, so when we were in Wyoming, there's a mountain called Indian Kara. And it was known as the the portal to the underworld for the Indians. And we had a lot of demonic activity in the parsonage. And we prayed over that. I anointed it with oil. And one night I was dreaming and I was having a, 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 a spiritual warfare dream. Anybody ever have a spiritual warfare dream? And it's real. And I sat up and I went, I, I'm quietly, because I didn't want to wake her up. 
And I was getting ready to rebuke it. I said, in the name of Jesus, go away. Well, you know, you, you need to rebuke it loudly. And all of a sudden, right when I did that, my daughter comes running down the hallway screaming. And Stacy went, there's a spirit of fear in here. All at the same time. And I was like, okay, it's battle time. And so we, we got up and we, we spoke against it. We rebuked it. It was for like two or three hours. And finally it was gone. Yeah. <clears throat> it's called wrestling. So James says, go back here with the book of James with me. <clears throat> look at verse 16. He, he mentions 14 and 15. Yeah, let's look at verses 14 and 15, and then we're going to look at verses six, verse 16. So verses 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when by, his, by his own evil desire. You're tempted from what Jesus says, for what comes out of you defiles the person, right? right. What comes out of your heart, out of your mouth, defiles you. So it's desires deepened within. And in chapter 4, when we get, it, get to that, we're going to find that they had a lot of wrong motives for the reasons why they were doing what they were doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. But each one is tempted when, when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Again, that's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Then after desire, remember, lust of the eyes, then desire partakes within your heart. You dwell on something too much. You look at something too long. You think about something too, too long. It gives birth to desire. And, and then it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Paul speaks about that in Romans. He says that if we continue to live according to the flesh, it will lead to death. And he's not just speaking of physical death. He's speaking of spiritual death. And he's talking to believers. He's talking to you and I. And then he says in verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Deceived means don't let the enemy deceive you. So we are enticed, we desire, and we sin, and we die. So how do we fight temptation? I'll make this quick. How did Jesus fight temptation? The With the Word. I shared the scripture this morning, but let's get, look at this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension. Now, the word pretension means imaginations. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yes. So the minute a thought comes in, you have the choice. Am I going to dwell on that thought? Am I going to think about that thought? Am I going to make it my own? Or am I going to reject that thought right. and replace it? How do you replace it? You replace it with God's thoughts. Yes. That's what Jesus did. Word. You replace it with God's thoughts. Another way is worship. Satan hates worship. Right. You begin to worship God. Yes. You begin to begin to praise him. Yes. You begin to lift him up. You'll notice that it 
there's, it starts to, uh, to leave and go away. Yeah. And look at this. Do you not, remember this scripture from a couple weeks ago? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now he's speaking of will there, but again, how do you know God's word? You need to renew your mind with the word of God. Your mind is not, when you got saved, your spirit man got saved, but not your thoughts. Right? Right. You, you have to renew your mind. You have to get it in line with God's word. There's sometimes we get taught bad things in church. We have to unlearn it. Remember that I talked about the lady that said, well, you can't get baptized in the Holy Spirit because you've sinned. Well, that's all of us. Yeah. And until she got correct theology, boom, then she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She had a full, full year before she realized she had it. Sometimes, I, I, I like Joyce Myers calls it stinking thinking. Uh -huh. Right? Yep. Next one, just flee from temptation. Go with me to Genesis 39. We're going to close. This is the last one. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 12. And as you're going there, Paul even tells Timothy that flee from all this. You guys remember the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? Genesis 39, look at verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Bought him from the Islamites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Okay, Potiphar's the master and he's put everything under his care, right? And then look what he says, verse 5. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Let's stop there. He's a teenager. He's young. When you're a teenager, what's, what's raging in your body? I don't need to tell you that. You all know, right? He's well-built and handsome. I'm just being honest here. Think about this. We don't think about this when we read the scriptures. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. I like this. Joseph refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Let me stop there. Hey, that's the beginning of fighting against temptation. Getting it in your mind to realize, hey, this is a sin against God. That's right. How could I do such a wicked thing? Yeah. That's part of renewing your mind. What does God say about it, right? Right. And then he goes on and he says... Now I lost my spot. There we go. Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, that's what Satan does. I believe Satan was using Potiphar's wife. Yeah. Remember, God was blessing Joseph. Can I tell you something? As believers in Christ, God can bless your work. Oh, yeah. 
I remember when I worked at Tulsa County, the guys couldn't believe why I kept getting promoted. I'm serious. They got jealous and got angry. I heard the, I mean, Tulsa County was like a gossip center. You heard things, you know. And I, I, I got it one day and they said, well, we can't believe that you have that, why you got that pay raise. And I said, well, I don't know. It's the blessing of the Lord. And I work hard. I always got to work 30 minutes early. I hate being late. I was in the military. If you're 15 minutes early, you're late. I, I just drives me nuts. I, and I got jealous of it. God wants to bless your work. If you'll work hard, that doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want, but he can give you blessings. He can give you favor with your workers. He can give you favor with your neighbors. So look at this. One day... He went into the house to attend to his duties. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And none of the household servants was inside. Satan tried to catch him off guard. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Yeah. Hallelujah. He didn't even give her a second thought. He was out of there. Right. When Satan starts waving that little carrot in front of you, run. Yeah. Run for your life. And you may say, but I don't have those issues anymore. It may be something. That's right. It could be anything, right? Yep. So what do we do? We flee from temptation. We run from it. God has given everything that we need in his word to do this, to fight it. Now, again, none of us are above this. We need the help of the Lord. Right. Right? right. We need God's help to do that. And he says he will do that. So going back to James, let's finish real quick. We're done. James is dealing with this very issue in the church. And he's, he's, he's kind of giving them a lesson here. He's telling them what happens. And, and then I want to finish with verses 16 through 18. Look what he says, though. He says, do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all creation. It's interesting here of all he created. Um, they were having a problem with jealousy within the church. People were jealous of other people. Well, they, they're getting more notoriety than me. Yeah. Or, or they're, they're more recognized than what I'm doing. But Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. If, if, you want, if you get recognized by people, there's your blessing. That's and that's it. That's right. I want to get to heaven and go, wow, I did this without anybody looking. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have the job of standing in front of you and talking all the time. Yeah. But there's things that I do on the side that I don't want anybody to know about. Right. right? And that's what he's saying there. There was a lot of fighting and jealousy. So he's talking about the jealousies that were arising in their hearts. And he's trying to deal with that issue. So whatever it is, whatever temptation it is, give it to God. Yeah. Go through these steps. You may have to do them over and over and over again. It's not like a magic wand. You just do it once and it's done. Right. It's a fight. Yes. We're at battle. Yeah. Every single one of us are in God's army. Yeah. All of us are in God's army tonight. You, you may not physically see it, but you have armor on tonight. You do. Yeah. You have the helmet of salvation. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. you have the sword of the spirit. Yes. Thank you, Lord. you have the shield of faith, yes. the belt of truth, 
the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace. The, you have all those things. In the, and, and I like this one. It doesn't mention it as the javelin, but you have prayer. All those things you have right now. We don't see it, but we have it. Yes. So remember, you have God's power to help you overcome those things. Yes. To every head bowed, every eye closed here tonight. Where are you at in your relationship with God? I know most of you, I've seen all of you the, the last few weeks, and you all know the Lord from what I understand, right? I don't know your heart, only you do. Are you here tonight? And, and you would say, Pastor, I'm not right with Jesus, and I need to get right. If that's you, raise your hand. You're here. You want to get right with Jesus. Everybody's right. Everybody's right with Jesus. Praise God. You're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm going through some battles. I've been tempted to want to give up. There's temptation. Maybe you're here tonight and you just, you're done. You don't, want, don't know what else to do, but you just want to throw in the towel and you need prayer tonight. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody here? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Maybe you're here tonight and you just, you just need encouragement from the Lord. You just need to know that God is with you. He won't leave you nor forsake you. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody? Everybody's good. I want to pray for that person that raised their hand. Oh, thank you. Father, I pray for those two individuals that raised their hand tonight. Father, I pray right now, you will not let them be tempted beyond what they can bear, but you will provide a way out so that they can stand on it. You will never leave them nor forsake them. That word forsaken means abandon. You will never abandon your children. Father, I thank you that it says that, Lord, that you put a garrison around us. You put a military garrison around us. As it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, that we are kept by the power of God. Those individuals that raise their hand, Lord, they're kept by your power. And, Lord, that means that you take them from one place to the next. You who begin a good work in them will complete it. You will not leave them alone. You will not leave them as orphans. But you will give them strength and power because that's what your word says. So, Father, give them strength tonight. Give them encouragement. Help them to, to, to be stronger tonight as they leave this building. We thank you, Lord, that you're the mighty God. You're awesome and you're powerful and you're with each and every one of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Can, can I make one announcement? I forgot to announce this, Randy, and it came to my mind just now. Gabriel... How many bags did you say? Fifty backpacks. So Gabriel's got some poor kids down in Texas, right? It's a poor community, and they need school supplies. Now, yeah, I know that's not Oklahoma, that's not our community, but you know what? God will bless us if we yeah. bless them. So get, we'll, we'll get all the things together, what they need. But I wanted to make that announcement. He told me that this morning, and I forgot to mention it tonight. So I wanted to remember. I just remembered it just now. But if you're, if you're up for it, just let, let us know, and I'll get with Gabriel. We'll get the list together. How's that sound? All right. Huh? What? August 19th. The bags. August 19th. I'm so glad I love my wife. She keeps me, uh, keeps me straight. All right. God bless you. Love you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. Thanks for coming tonight. Oh, thank you. God is so good, isn't he? Yes. There